0: It's the 28th episode of the Mocha Live podcast. Can you believe it? 28 episodes, wow. And we have a very special treat today. As you may or may not know, my co-host Colborne, who founded the Museum of Cryptoart, is one of the longest tenured and most venerated collectors in the entire space. His collection itself is the stuff of legends, but so is his passion for collecting equitably and widely. For ages, we've even mentioned it on this podcast a time or two, he's invoked another early collector who was running in the same circles around the same time with the same kind of ethos, a mysterious figure known only as the Druid. We don't talk a ton about collecting crypto art on this podcast, but when we do, we've got to pull out all the stops. Today's podcast is a trip down memory lane and back again, from the early days of crypto art collecting to the infamous super rare bands of artists Rob Miss and Max Osiris, to the changed and still changing environment we have today. Coburn and I are indeed joined by, you guessed it, the Druid, all the way from Switzerland, for a great conversation about all things collecting, what it was like in the crypto art early days, how everything's changed, and more through the eyes of two really important figures in the history of all this. So please, enjoy this conversation between Coburn, the Druid, and myself on this week's Mocha Live podcast. Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of the Mocha Live podcast. It is Wednesday, August 16th. It is 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Brooklyn. My name is Max Cohen, and I am joined this week, as I am every week, by the founder of the Museum of CryptoArt, Mr. Colborne Bell. How are we doing, Colborne?
1: Super. Thank you, Max.
0: All right. Colborne's doing super, and hopefully also doing super, is our special guest of this week, the Druid, one of the OG collectors in CryptoArt. Druid, thank you so much for being with us. How are you doing today?
2: Thanks, Max. Doing well. It's hot here in Switzerland, 11 p.m., but uh, 30 degrees uh, in the house. So uh, doing pretty well, but uh, (laughs) enduring the weather.
0: Yeah, it's hot everywhere, and apparently I'm the only one of the three of us with air conditioning. So we'll see if our uh, our skin conditions change throughout the course of this next hour. (laughs) Um, So it's really exciting to have you on, Druid, because we've been relaying the same story a couple of times over the last few weeks of this podcast, Um, we would get into a conversation about collectorship, especially in the early days of super rare. And we would come to this interesting story of you leaving really small bids on super rare artworks, like 0.01 or 0.1 ETH bids and collecting a ton of art that way. And, you know, we have a, a larger kind of discussion today on the nature of collecting and how it's changed for better or for worse. But I have to know, like, why did you start doing that? Where did that decision come from when you first decided to start leaving these tiny little bids?
2: I started uh, cryptocurrency in 2017 and in 2019 all those altcoin stuff and cryptocurrency stuff, it, it got a bit over my head, over my head. Like, it was like fake community, like uh, shutting each other ba- uh, back to make money. And like I made a full full cycle and it's the stuff you fall in love with a project and then you yeah, you you get fucked because you 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 fall in love with the project and and I got in the full cycle, made money, lost money, and after okay was like I'm done with that and uh, I I saw actually actually was a was a nice uh, first 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 step into it because I saw a tweet of um, Ar- Arata Money, Monet Arata and uh, basically was uh, was him selling a piece to I think it was Token Angel, I'm not sure. And for, for a fairly good amount back then. And I was like, oh, yeah. I and you can you can find back the tweet, but basically it was I, I don't understand, like it doesn't exist. I, I, I seen the tweet, it doesn't exist. Like, what the fuck is this? I, <laughs> and I say but I, I say I, I like I like it, but I mean and I remember I was I, I said if I had to choose between this and a soulage, I would take the soulage because I can put it on the wall. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said yeah. I would take soulage too. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yes uh yeah so my first encounter with crypto art was with uh Mane so it was a really nice encounter and then i i so i got interested in it and i say it's not because i don't understand it that it's it's not something real um so i went into it i joined the super art telegram and i discovered a new a new world and um, basically i realized that uh so there, there was those, those artists that was make, that were making big sales, big for, for back then, and I realized that there was a lot of other artists that were not even getting any bids, uh, and I saw that on the telegram, and they were they were congratulating the people making some sales because back then there was like, I think four big pocket collectors, uh, you can Moderate, angels, whale shark. And um maybe Seb. yeah yeah yeah, so, some others, but it was very limited, and basically to those, those collectors, they had preference they, had, uh, they liked some stuff, so they were buying those kind of stuff, and on the market, there was a lot of different type of art already available, and all those artists making art, they they don't they didn't even get any bids on their work, and I say mm-hmm. that's not fair, like. It's not what you like, but it's still good work. It's still, it's still a nice work. And so I say, you know what? I'm going gonna, gonna to show them that uh, someone see their work and uh, that their work is appreciated, that at least the, someone see them. So that's how it started. I, I say, I don't have much money on the side, but you know what? I'm going to make sure that every artist that never received a bid you're gonna, you're gonna receive a bid and note that someone like his work
0: well that's interesting because like you got a lot of flack I think for that decision right you I mean you sent uh, an artwork um, to us when we kind of t- were talking about the conversation about yeah. it was like a lot of tweets that were pretty upset with your with your tax uh, Colburn I'm wondering but when, I feel when like you first
1: I feel like go ahead go yeah. ahead
0: yeah no I was just gonna say like when did you first kind of like encounter the druid like what was that I,
1: I mean I think right away I think right away because I took a lot of inspiration from the methodology I remember going and just dropping like point 0.1 point 0.1 point 0.1 point 0.1 I'm point one, point one. just anything and everything that I liked artwork that was two years old that had never had a bid on it just to like show a bit of appreciation so that the artist could feel seen and i was shocked i would wake up to uh emails like y- you know congratulations you just like purchase or you know this artist sold you this work and it was like 10 of those a day and it was a, it was a really good feeling because then like you jump on twitter there'd be a message you'd start a conversation they'd say like how did you even find this work i'm like i love this work i'm shocked nobody else out there had even seen it and it was so nice because it was like very low stakes and low pressure and for whatever reason you know the, the couple people that he mentioned there was a lot of fighting over the same things right whether it was uh you know like x copy or a lot of money i don't even like I, or like the trevor jones pieces that were on super rare to begin with uh i feel like that's kind of what was was pushing things a bit higher
0: and higher and you're saying that it was being fought over by those four kind of collectors, right? The whale sharks, the moderates, et cetera. It was like whale shark,
1: shark moderates and token. And it's like, why would I ever want to get into a bid with these guys, a bidding war with these guys? Like, I got into a bidding war with moderates on a, a twisted vacancy Josie Bellini piece when she was doing her podcast, and you know, I like kept going. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to go one more time. I kept going. He kept going. Kept going. Kept going. And then at the end, he sent me uh, he sent me a piece of like a kangaroo in a suit making this motion. I was like, "That is so rude," <laughs> but it was funny. It was funny,
0: Druid. I'm curious. You know, after you started doing this, and, and Coburn, I suppose, has supplies to you as well with these very small bids on artwork that wasn't necessarily being put in the spotlight at that time. Like, what kind of a reputation did that give you within crypto art?
2: So, so first, so I had. Um... I had some rules for doing that. The first rules were to bid only on artworks that were were, um, in the hands of the artist. So I never, sometimes I made a mistake, but uh, the the purpose was to not bid on uh, some art that already have been sold to uh, a collector. So it was always to bid on some uh, work of artists that never made any sales, never got bids, or maybe made a sale or two but it was like they, they had nothing, so that that was my role. So I think is how you differentiate, also the I don't know, it's not the respect, but yeah, where you put the limits. Yeah, the the thing is, at first it was really low bids, and it was really like it was the like according the the dream the, drink, the drink magic and stuff like that. And, and um, I remember I saw a, a telegram message of uh, Yuzamond, and he, he said like. Man, those uh, those five cents beats. They are nice, but it's a, a little low. And it's like, <laughs> I like. I gonna accept one or two, but if it will be two or three dollar, it would be better. I say no more. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, he, but he started like that. And after, it didn't the the hate, if I can call it like that. It didn't uh, didn't start right away. It started when I in a, what I. Started to to, make, to get to get uh, uh, art piece and not not a little a lot of them, and uh, those people got angry and um, asked for asked to, for me to get banned, and uh, Akatao was very angry at me because he was a, one one of the only uh, artists at the moment that was making sales, big sales for the time, so he was getting very angry because he was. Uh, attacking the reputation of, of, the, of the platform and the artist and uh, some collectors to uh, uh, Jimmy and, and others like that were very mad at me for, for doing that and think that I didn't respect the artist and that, uh, yeah, they, and they were asking to, to ban me. And there is this me- message in the in the the, the art piece that I, I send you the, the link to. And you, you see all those... Um, those phrases from the Telegram group and the Discord group. And uh, I think it was Zach that say, well, uh, we cannot ban him because some, some artists are selling pieces, pieces to him. <laughs> and yet, they, they really got very angry. And even insulting um, artists and say, if you sell to this man, uh, if you sell to the dread, you, you will never sell any more piece to a higher price to anywhere, anybody else. Um, also to, to me. Uh, if the older piece you buy, nobody gonna ever buy them because it's it's like they they are worth worth nothing anymore. Um, basically, it, it was a lot of hate, and I think if it would have continued, like I would get, I would have get a bit. Uh, I would say, okay, it's enough, and I, I gonna stop because it's not fun anymore, and because I didn't see the the good the good side of it too. Huh? Because back then, you have to remember back then every bid you. You putted uh, the art piece when directly on the front page of SuperRare. Interesting. So that that was the the imagine like they were getting like ten bids per day, and me I was putting one hundred per day. So so people were starting to make their their shopping based on the bids I was making. And I remember, I remember some message of Cordy saying, "I, I make is my, my researcher is my personal researcher researcher," and. Uh, that was quite uh, a bit of fun. So, yeah, it was that. And uh, the 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 guy that really like pushed me to continue and uh, made it fun for me to to continue, he was Robness. And Robness was the the only one that came. Not on the only there was Max too, huh? but Robness really uh, came in the telegram and said, "Yes, the the dread beats is the you have to respect the dread is the dread way." And it and and we had so much fun with with Rob Nas and me and the and this Telegram group trashing Akatao and the others. And it, <laughs> that's that was the, the, the best part of, of everything. It was it was really the best part. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Big heads up to, to Rob Nas. He was uh, he really he, re, he really understood what I was trying to do. That you I was not trying to destroy the artist, but trying to give them more visibility. And yeah. Because back then I never, I never thought that I would sell a piece i will, I never thought I, I could resell a piece uh, when I bought a piece for one dollar or five dollars I never thought I would ever resell this piece so for me it was putting money money away no matter what the gas money the I think it was Zach that say well he's putting so much bids, bids he's losing a lot of money in gas <laughs> it's true but back then it was he was costing me. 2 or 3 cent to put the bid now sure it's 10 dollars so.
0: <laughs> yeah my I'm, I'm looking over that art piece now right and it's like you get a lot of shit from Hackatao, you get a lot of shit from you know hidden forces has a, something in here against you um, carlos marcial comes to your aid that's kind of nice yeah. to see um, interesting artwork interesting story
2: yeah yeah I, I made this at work because it was at the end of the a bit of the end of the cycle and i say yeah, it was is a bit of uh, is the is a bit of the my story of, yeah, behind behind this artwork and Robness saw it and he bought it so it's quite fun too.
0: So I want to keep us like grounded in this kind of like early era of crypto art, right? Because I'm curious, like, so when I came on to the Mocha team was when I kind of. Found crypto art, it all happened very quickly. It was November, October of 2021. You know, I had Colburn, you and I had Renee, and I had the whole Mocha team to kind of help me develop this like perspective um, of just what was going on and what was important, etc. And I'm curious, Colburn, maybe you can start us off, but like when in these early days of crypto art, right, where people were leaving and accepting one, two, three, four, five dollar bids on things, how did somebody get their bearings on like what was going on here? What was the process of? Figuring out who were the big collectors and who were the artists and and what was actually taking place.
1: I mean, you know, we were getting our bearings from each other, right? I had no idea what was, what was going on, but I would for sure see those bids that he was dropping, right? And those were the clues. Those were the breadcrumbs because the system was so simple. It was just a timeline and all you could do on your side was put a bid in. Right. And that would bump it to the top of the page. So you see everything that was getting bids, um, but there weren't like reserve auctions and there was no timer. Like the coldie method was generally accepted. Somebody would announce that they were going to accept something and like wait 24 hours. And, and that would maybe sometimes spark a bidding more. But a lot of the times, you know, there you weren't going to see more than one bidder on an artwork. And, you know, I think a lot of that, that magic we've, we've certainly lost. Like, it was the big clues, of course, were who were the artists looking at, right? Because I didn't trust the money. You can't really trust the money. You, you have to trust, like, who the other artists are taking and spending their money on. Now, it's interesting to, to think about kind of all of crypto, like, network effects, but also crypto arts. how, like, the early participants, a lot of the early participants who were successful still continue to be successful today. Um, and that's, you know, that is kind of like an effect of the money, but.
2: Back then, back then, the only fact that you were in super rare for an artist, he was already an accomplishment. So you didn't have to search for long. You just had to take what you liked because it was already the the barrier to, to cross. I mean, uh... yeah, it was the curated platform,
1: right? And that was the curated art. So it was representing something that was, you know, apparently like the best of the ecosystem.
0: This, as opposed to say, like rareable.
1: Rareable was way later. It was just like no origin maker's place. It
2: was, it was way later. It was after the second ban of uh, Rubness and Max. Max was the was the one of the first. I think it was the first piece I got. It was a Max it was series because he was the first uh, the first bids I bought. It was uh, five cents bids, <laughs> <laughs> and Max accepted a bid, and everybody was like, "What the fuck? Why you do that?" Because Max. Back then, he was making some sales. He was making some sales, and said, everybody, go, why you accepted this bill? And he said, "Because I like to to share my work with people that enjoy it." And I and I say, "Okay, this for me is an artist. Yeah. He, he's not doing it only for the money. Of course, it's important. He's not doing it for the money. He's making it. He he, he makes art because he needs to make art. He feels the need to make it. He's living. He, he he lives for that. He lives for for his passion, and he's is, is sharing his work be, with people no matter how much they can put. Like if someone likes some piece, he's gonna find a way to. You will be able to to find a way to get one one uh, a piece of uh, from him. So, like that. That's for me. That was like, um, I want to collect piece from guys like him. Guys that are true artists for me.
0: What did it you know mean back then to buy you know a work from an artist like? You know, what kind of an effect would a bid or a sale like to one of you who had, you know, large amounts of institutionally the respect or reputation have?
1: You're talking about somebody who had, you're talking about somebody who had never made a sale before?
0: Well, just in general. I right? Mean, like it was just
1: different. It was just different. It was like those social connections were forming. Right. So everybody was kind of like getting to know each other, who these people were, what their intentions are. I mean, at the end of the day you know, being in crypto long enough, you have to know to like tread lightly whenever you start to do something new with anonymous individuals, right? You don't know these people, you don't know what they're doing, but you can, at least the artists, you can see their output, right? So that is more of a basis for like, and then you start to understand like, who, who fucks with who? Like who is in this camp and who is in this camp? And you know, what are, are their motives and their objectives?
2: And I've seen you, you, we used to talk at least personally. I used to talk way more to the art, uh, to the artist back then. The collectors wouldn't talk. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, the collectors would not talk with one another. When I first met Max and Robness, and I found their mentality, I stopped buying art on, only because I liked a piece. I started buying art because I liked the, art, the artist. So the artist was, was the art for me. And even if I don't really like the the piece a lot i was like no man. this is made by this guy that is just a, a machine and i want this piece because it's uh I, I want to support this mentality so druid i mean if you were to
0: take the druid method so to speak and apply it to today right if you were to do the same thing on super rare or maybe to go to tezos and do the same like, and maybe you have already but like what do you think the reaction would be from the artists? Do you think it would still be that kind of, I don't know, that half disdain, half appreciation of people who are just being seen by you?
2: So in Super area you could not do that anymore because the, the gas is way too high. Mm-hmm. Uh, on other platform, there is way too many people. It made a lot of noise back then because it was, it's, it was a family, a little family. Now it's a city. And it was disruptive. It, it made a lot of noise because it was a little community. But now it's so crowded that he, he will not make that much noise and he will just be looked at as spam. You will not make a difference. Um, you could make that on Tezos blockchain, but they will, there, there's no incentive to, to make that because yeah, it will just be seen as spam. But uh, yeah, I, 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 now I, I prefer to buy a piece on, on Tezos blockchain for, for my parts because of yeah, it's more accessible. You can buy, buy pieces that are not that much expensive and not spend uh, $100 uh, on gas. Colburn, what is it like
0: compared to, you know, a couple of years ago, like making relationships with artists at this stage? Harder, easier?
1: It's way more, it's way more difficult. He's right. And it's like when you're a family, you you know everybody and you know a lot about everybody and it, and it feels very close, but when it's this big, I, I find it's like fewer and farther between that. I meet somebody that is in the space for similar reasons that I got into the space in the beginning. Right. And, you know, there's people over time that like have emerged and I, and I respect and reach out and like let them know, or I think are incredible digital artists. Um, but something about that, early mix of like you are in crypto and you are a digital artist is just a person that I'm going to be very interested in because you know I'm in crypto and I just like the expression of these things so I I find it I find it more difficult although I find myself on the other side also more friendly with collectors so, so, and that's just by proxy of getting to know each other and the thing kind of happening and like being in that place at that time. And whereas, whereas once you felt like you were in competition, well, suddenly it is familial or more friendly.
0: Yeah. I mean, Druid, like, do you still have, do you still like maintain these relationships with all of these artists and collectors who you were kind of within this situation, you know, together with in you know, 2019, 2020, whenever this was, or like, I do find those being supplanted by you know, the years that have passed in the middle, because it does seem like there are, uh, from my perspective, there's a, just a dichotomy, um, an, an exclusive dichotomy, right? There's less nuance about like the year at which, you know, crypto art blew up or at which, you know, various nuances changed. It seems like there is this very hard divide between the early crypto art undefined, but undefined, like time-wise, but defined in terms of ideology and then modern crypto art which same thing, it's right. We don't know when it starts or when it ends, but it has like a different ideology. Do you find yourself still prioritizing and maintaining your connections to those who are with you in the early stage as opposed to those who came later?
2: It's true The Corborn said that back then it was more difficult to make, I think it was more difficult to make, uh, to create a relation between collectors than a collector and an artist and since it was this a very small family and i think the, there is this family still exists you just have to 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 see uh, between the lines It's still there and uh, i don't like to say it's a true family but uh yeah i'm still like a very big friend to Hobness and uh, uh and the others and max and and, and other people and, and like because back then when you you created a, a link when money was not involved, so that's a big part of it. You bought a piece because you liked it, not because you wanted to make money because you never thought it would be that crazy that you could make money out of this That's the big stuff. so you bought something because you 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 liked the guy you wanted to support him, and there was no idea of money involved so that that's a that that's create friendships and for example, I have the story of Brendan Walsh, he's a the OJ artist in so Suvira, not that well known, but he, he should, and he's making a lot of uh, poetry now, and he told me uh, like one 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 year ago, like you know those ten dollar bids you you made back then on my on uh, my art, and I accepted. Well, I, I he, he was he uh, was he was without a house back then and. He, he told me that he could not afford to go to a doctor, and that this ten-dollar bid it allowed him to buy a clove oil to um, to kill the pain in his teeth. And I was like, yeah, I got the. Like, he made me cry because he was like, you have this kind of impact of people, even even if it's not thousands of of dollar, is you can have some impact of on people and. That was just amazing to to hear. That was an amazing uh, story told me, and yeah. yeah. So so we, with those kind of things, you create amazing friendships, amazing friendships, and of course, they still exist, and there is still this family.
1: Brandon's is one of the most incredible stories, Max. If you don't know it, we we should like try and do as much as we can to profile it because it is just like a true crypto and crypto art story, um, and somebody that is like. So bright, so intelligent, sees so much. Uh,
0: we have his piece, uh, Carson's Coin, in uh, the Genesis collection. Uh, c- could you tell the story? And
1: I don't, you know, that's that's really their story to tell. I can tell the story of Carsten Coin, which I think was the, who is, is it, was a World Bank?
0: Yeah, it's the, the World Bank guy. Um, yeah, he's got a, I can find that for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, Brandon, uh, you know it's it's a it's a it's a bit of like a cheeky piece of satire. That's the one that he wanted, you know, to be in in the collection. The Bank of
0: International Settlements. Yes, Carson's.
1: Yes, and I think it's when they said, you know, crypto will never be anything. The Bank of International Settlements will always be this, and he wanted to kind of, you know, he he did a project called Banksters, right? In which it was a PFP project, mm-hmm. but it was. Uh, showcasing all of the financial crimes from all of the major banks. He's very well like read and researched on, you know, like the, the way the global financial system truly operates and why there is a need for new money. And he comes from a background where he had very little growing up was, you know, consistently homeless um, and educated to himself to a point where he could like see so far and wide. And it was just, you know, that I I would love. I don't know. if Brandon's out there and listening. We we would love. Yeah, come
2: on the it. podcast, Brandon. I'm not sure, but I, I think he's the first that's made poetry and, and super rare. His poetry is beautiful. Yeah, amazing piece, amazing amazing pieces, and not enough people see see it. And you can, you can still afford a, a lot of Brandon work for pretty cheap. Huh? If you can have a lot of OJ. OG work for from OG artists from from ship if you, if you know where to look, so uh, you need to support those guys. Well, it's such an
0: interesting topic, this idea of like OG artists, because there's now these two camps. There's like these like vetted OG artists that have again like much bigger names, right? And it's like you know the the Dmitri Cherniak's, the Matt Canes, the X Copies, and then there's this whole much larger class of also crypto art OGs who have every claim to that same title who just simply don't have the notoriety right the brandon walsh's of the world who i i think that it would kind of just rubs me the wrong way is when people point to the og status of a certain crypto artist as being the reason to purchase a piece or be interested in their work and it's true but it's also so selectively deployed that mindset that it just always rings false to me it feels more like a justification of somebody's success, than it is a legitimate reason for it. Does that make sense, Yeah, uh, I,
1: I can understand it, right? But you, at the same time, you have to realize that in order to arrive at the place first, you have to be thinking and participating in a level that is abnormal to begin with, right? I think in order to have arrived at the position as early as a lot of people did, they were thinking so far ahead of what it means to create digital art, of what a market for digital art means, of what like cryptocurrency, how it can empower them. And I think there's really something to be said about that. You know, when you begin to think of, like we came in with what we did and said, crypto art is not an isolated thing. Crypto art is a movement, right? And that's why, because look at how far it's spread. Look at what like, these thing, this thing that these people laid the groundwork for, how far it's gone, and maybe that was the art in and of itself. And, you know, what is a token? What does it mean to have a relationship with a person? And what is the symbology that is held in that artwork in that relation? And how are those like social circles drawn? I think for me, that is as much of the artwork to have been there and participated and like built and encouraged the system to be grown as much as like the individual efforts of what people were doing at the time.
0: Is there any way to recultivate that same sense of experimentation? Or let me rephrase that actually. Do you think that three, four years from now, A, there will be a hindsight view of people having that same experimentation today? And then B, like, if so, what do you think that realm will be in? Will it be people who are building things in the metaverse? Yeah, just what do you think?
2: I bring back uh, crypto CryptoVoxel, Gangnam i mean
1: punk rock was killed it just you know it's reborn in every other form like all of these things die because of money
2: yeah, exactly so me i felt uh, as soon as i i saw some articles and you like you felt like that money was coming in and people were getting interested i felt like we we were we didn't uh, there was no choice but it was like selling your your soul to the to the, the to the devil and I knew I was going at this point. So it was not at the beginning. It was at this point. I knew that. Okay, it seems like I'm gonna finally maybe make some money out of it. Gonna be great. But on the other hand, gonna say goodbye to everything we've created uh, and the, this family we, we, are, we have created. And that that fucking sucked uh, harder. That that was uh, I yeah. Personally, I I hope like all the people that came for money. I hope it it burned down and, <laughs> and and all the people that came for money leave and and, and don't come back because uh, that that was the best part of it. That that was the yeah that was that's that's why I speak a lot about OG artists and collectors is because it was people that were there not for the money. And so as soon as there is the money factor you cannot create the same relationship and you can't trust the people the the same way. And yeah. Yeah. So of course it it changed my life. It changed a lot of people's life that uh, all these new uh, collectors arrived, the new artists, but at the same time, they they destroyed something extremely beautiful. The
1: shift in the dynamic max was so noticeable, like, in like, 2021, 20. the middle of 2021, because I'm telling you before, I never once received a message from any person asking me to look at that work or purchase that work. Right. Never like a direct message. And then suddenly at that point, it's like everybody in your like inbox writing you say, I just minted this. I'm selling it for this. It, you know, it got a bid from this person, just like trying to game everybody else against Each other, and that is it's sad when you like when the first like approach to the art is like, Oh, like this person wants me to buy this, uh, instead of just like look at it, enjoy it, talk about it if you like it, put a bid on it. Um, it it was very marked the shift when it became about a, a market like a digital art marketplace as opposed to. Some something
0: else you know I this is something and I have to be careful how I say this because I don't want to be I don't want to like again implicate myself in anything that's not truthful but I think that there is a sense of oftentimes a sense of entitlement with artists in this space and that is obviously I, I need to go into more detail but it, I, I've been an artist for a long time right I've said it a million times like i write weird individual fiction that nobody's ever gonna buy and it took me a long time it took me all of my 20s to realize that i had to be doing this for a reason that was not money and that i was not entitled to any success financially or reputationally no matter how good my prose was no matter how interesting my ideas were that's the reality of life as an artist um i was talking to an an artist named griffin yesterday we hopped on a call and showed them the box of novels that are sitting in my closet still that will never be sold, that will never be read. And, you know, I'm no paragon, but I would go to like little free libraries around Boston and just leave the book in there hoping that, I don't know, somebody would take it and they'd put it on their mantle and then maybe somebody else would read it and it would just be able to impact their lives that way. It was the only way I could get this art to be seen was if I just like threw it into the world and, you know, said a little prayer. And it does seem like there's a attitude in crypto art that, you should be able to that many people should be able to make a living off of their art that everyone should be able to make a living off of their art. And I don't know, I'm torn between the idealism of crypto art and this beautiful thing that's been created and the way it's created in middle-class of artists and just the age old impossibility of a majority of artists having their needs met from art alone. There's a reason that New York is full of really talented singers and dancers and actors who are waiting tables that's the hustle and it seems like the hustle is really odious to a lot of people here in a way, which I don't think it is. Um, I think the hustle is that reality, right. Of working some shitty job of putting food on the table, however you can in the hopes that you're going to attain something, but not with the expectation that you're going to attain something. That's the way it's the way it has to be. It's the way it's always been for artists and no amount of technology is going to change that reality. Um, Druid, like, do you feel like you understand artists today, like their work and their motivations, or that it's a lot harder for you to kind of penetrate into that?
2: No, I, I understand it, but I don't think that um, trying to make as much money as possible or trying to to turn it into a good income is the. Of course, it it will. It's amazing if it happens, but I don't think it should be the main purpose, because back then. The the artists and, and super they they were making very little sales, uh, mm-hmm. very little sales for years, and they were still around, and they were not saying I don't make any sales. No, they were supporting each other, uh, pushing each other, and some artists uh, were buying uh, art from other artists and and of course after you see you see artists like Robyns that sold sold. I don't know more than three hundred pieces, and now he's making a living just of the um, of the, the royalties. Yeah, he's making just a living of that. So I think that that is the dream of every artist. That, uh, but only crypto art. But uh, yeah, it is the dream of every artist. But I don't think it should be the main purpose. I think you have to. Uh, to I hope any artist can reach this point, but it, it should not be the main purpose. The main purpose should be to 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 exchange with artists, to exchange with collectors, to create for the love of creating. And if you arrive at this point, then uh, congratulations. And uh, don't let the money bury you. And But of course, it's difficult.
1: I mean, look, it's a good point, too, because like, in, in the early days, there were artists who were selling for whatever, 500 a $1,000. It was a lot at the time. And nobody else was really doing anything. You know, now there's so much in the middle that everybody is comparing themselves to each other and they think that they should have something that somebody else doesn't, right? So, you know, they're benchmarking themselves in a place. So many people have told them like, you need to keep low supply, you need to, there's all these rules that you need to like manage your market with. And it's just, it's so narrow the line of thinking it's imported from, of course, like the contemporary art world, but we don't deal in scarcity anymore. So, you know, for me, the idea is that you have to get abundance. You have to get like as abundant as possible. So then like, you know, once you are abundant and you are ubiquitous, well, then you have a name because so many people have your stuff. I mean, this is really what Max did. This is what Robness did. These are what people that didn't have any attention did to get attention and it was really it was like a hack in the system because they sell something for five dollars. Well, somebody says to the druid, somebody says like, oh, what are you doing?" What you? it draws attention to it in the same way almost that a thousand dollar sale would.
0: Yeah, the super rare bot does not a uh, the super rare bot does not discriminate in terms of purchase price.
1: Right, right, and whatever draws attention, it's the attention that's the economy, right? It's not. Like the the actual money, the money will follow the attention. So, how do you draw the attention?
0: You know, I I've been thinking about this a lot in the wake of this recent. I don't even know what you call it—the series of announcements that Sam Spratt has been putting out about his monuments game, about this whole ecosystem he's created around his paintings. And at first, it really rubbed me the wrong way, and I'm, I'm happy to you know go into more detail about that if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, but. um you know, it's this the videos and these skulls and this council, it's just all of these things. And, you know, this game that it costs three and a third ETH to play. So it's just the same, I don't know, the same ecosystem that's rewarding either the most connected people in the space or the wealthiest. And it's not actually being subversive or interesting in any way. It's just another, again, like money game for the top, whoever many people to play in the space. And I I was really kind of, not upset, but put off by this because I think that he's a brilliant artist, but like you said, the attention money follows the attention. Right. And like, all you can do is grab hold of the attention while you have it. And I think like exploit it to a certain extent. I mean, I, I think one of the things that is the subtext of the conversation we've been having is so many of these artists who may have had a name, a huge name and like huge sales back in you know, this kind of early days, that attention is always going to be fleeting. Um, you know, Hackatao is a great example. Hackatao was like the third or fourth highest selling um, artist in the history of the space, and the history of crypto art. And yet, where's the buzz for Hackatao anymore? Where's the, you know, the people searching for clout from Hackatow? Um, I don't know, Druid, am I barking up totally the wrong tree with this line of thinking? Or?
2: I, think, I think you're right. But I think, well, it, it depends, but... All come back to the artist mentality. It all come back to that. You, I, and I, I don't think you will never see a Max or Robness die because they, they have something, it, 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 and they are not like uh, it's not a um, uh, monkey pictures uh, guy. Uh, it's it's, uh, it's real dude that have uh, like a. Uh, they are unique. They are a piece of art, and they will never die because. He, they are special as a individual. And that's the kind of uh, artist you want to be. I think you want to create something special. You want to create because you need to create, because you feel the need to create. And back then, I, back then yeah, I, I I saw the difference. I think I never bid on Akatao work because of how he responded to the the first bids I, I putted uh, back then. And uh, yeah, I, I never tried to, to get a piece from artists that had for me what i call the bad mentality which was trying just to sell more work at a higher price try to limit the amount of work yeah i think for an artist to be successful he need to he need to trust himself and work on himself but not only like on on his on, on, on who he is as an individual and uh yeah, take example of uh, Max and Rubness.
1: Well, it's just like, I think those two individuals and others like are very emblematic of, of where we have to go as a society, right? We, like, we have to be smaller, quicker, lean, more productive, like responsive, scrappy, you know, creating with like found different digital artifacts. I think there's a, a spirit and a mentality of like what is next and it's, it's so visionary forward thinking that it's incredibly misunderstood and underappreciated, right? And we just got piled on with like a bunch of like weight that was pulling us back. Anything that came after kind of just pulled us back into this status quo when we were looking for escape velocity. And we know we need escape velocity from these systems that we have because these systems that we have are failing, right? So if it's not the artist's through the art but most importantly through themselves to like give us a model of how we can begin to like change and adapt and be creative and responsive to any situation currently in its time that is cool to me like the ability for these individuals and others to be responsive in real time to digital culture and critique it is incredibly impressive like that that very it could not really be done the speed in which People are able to like, produce a work, respond to an event, and share uh, something like, that moved them and may move others.
0: But that's also a consequence of like, where we are at with the internet and with how we communicate on the internet too, right? I think we had our reactionary period for a while, but it seems like at a certain level of thought and um, intent, it becomes kind of odious to just respond to things that are happening with your first response to that. Now I'm no visual artist. Um, you know, I write lengthy prose, which requires a certain level of long-term thinking about things. But every time that I think about tweeting something out in response to an event, I give it three hours and I think, Oh, that wasn't really very measured. I should probably move against this. What Robness and Max Osiris did was I think capture, a moment of the internet, especially, I mean, what was it? It was around that kind of like 2020 era where, you know, things I feel like have settled down, but that was when we were first kind of realizing collectively that, you know, Facebook and Twitter were heavily influencing our like political beliefs and our level of division and things like that. And that was so much due to the provocativeness of marketable entities and their um, their thoughts and how that was being expressed. So I'm. I, I think that expressed a certain time frame, but I'm not sure. I mean, and Drew, what do you think? Like, does it still express how we communicate
2: on the internet? If you're an artist and you you look at both of them, they did like they were. They did so much um, counter counterproductive things that seemed, no, at least that seemed counterproductive, uh, and always pushing uh, the limits you know they, they were always pushing the limits super were saying you cannot you cannot upload more than four pieces per week uh, max was saying fuck them i'm gonna make 10 <laughs> and then rubness uh, said uh, somewhat in a telegram you should uh, make create less work he said um, you know what he sent me a message at 5 in the morning you know what I'm putting all my works at five buck uh, <laughs> and I got 30, 30 roughness work and because he said because I want to start something new I want to 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 get uh, this to, uh, to, 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 to sell out and so I can start something new and and it it's it it went to the complete opposite to what other artists and even Super rare was telling them to do this every time they were doing the opposite. Uh, and they got bad tw- two times. And uh, the, the, I don't remember if it was the first or the second, but I, I even made the change.org uh, petition to bring them back on Super rare yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, the, every time, every time, either Max or Robness, every time that it was the, something was the norm, they were saying, no, and I'm not going to do this way. I'm going to do my own way. And I'm going to push the limit. And it, always too much but just to just to you know just enough just enough to get banned too
0: we uh we have to go in in a couple minutes but i'd like to just ask both of you one final question coburn maybe you can start us off i'm just curious like do you have i don't know one dear memory of collecting whether now or in those early eras like is there a moment that kind of like speaks to you as saying like this was emblematic of what this
2: was i don't know maybe the Druid can answer
0: that Druid, what do you got for us
2: uh, there is a lot of moment. I think the Brandon uh, Welsh moment was a big one for me. I showed that uh, all, all that I that, that I did back then was not for nothing. And there was some real good uh, good effect. Yeah, the the part in the Telegram group, pushing for the dread beads. Yeah, this for me was it was the best moment. Uh, was really the the best moment, and yeah, also but, uh, the the first. Uh, max uh, Max Ozeris that sold me the the first piece uh, and he said and uh, what he told me uh, he, wrote, he wrote to me and, and I said, "Thank you for accepting the bid. I never thought you will accept this and he, he was not for that and uh, he said, uh, yeah, but I, if someone wants my work I'm going to share it. it's all those 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 things that yeah those, is, those are the, the best memories for me
1: i got, I got one. It was, you know, the first solo show we did was with an artist, Ryo Light, uh, kind of underappreciated artist, was kind of having his moment. He was in Santa Cruz uh, mm-hmm. Bay area. He was a community manager, kind of a tech firm. And he really, I think, just embodied, like, the spirit. He was super welcoming, super open, um, wanted everybody to learn about, like, what was going on. And, and he was creating beautiful art. So, you know, we we said, all right, like let's do our first museum of crypto art solo show with this individual. Um, super excited! Nobody's like nobody's ever seen my art this way. We put together this beautiful exhibition, um, and then a, and then a week later, we found out he, he passed away in his sleep. Um, oh, jeez! And you know, suddenly there was a a real permanence to the work that we were doing and the the bids that we were making and the effects on people's lives that that we might have been having and just seeing and recognizing and um, and that just like obviously that stayed with me but more of the spirit to just try and grow our arms as big as possible to give everybody in the space like a collective hug to just like try and keep and hold that space and i think that has long been in me and in the museum and a part of like everything that we're trying to do here to, to just have like the an artistic safety net and if it's not monetary then at least it's just like expressed expressively right when when people are more monitored and they might not feel they're privacy is less that there are tools and systems and technology in place that can continue to give people a voice and, and uplift them.
0: Amen to that. Gentlemen, thank you both for your beautiful contributions to that last question and also to this wonderful conversation. Um, I think it's a good time for us to get out of here. Druid, do you have anything you want to say to the people before we kick off?
2: No, thank you for the uh, invitation. It was an amazing time to talk with both of you. Uh, very nice conversation and I uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it.
0: Enjoyed your, uh, your time here too. Coburn, anything you want to say to, uh, to the people before we finish uh, I want to thank up? the
1: Druid for his time. I want to thank you for your work. Uh, I hope you know we... Uh, it's just it's nice to meet after all these years here and, and to have a little talk. Um, so I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful everybody that tuned in and is still here with us.
0: Yeah, crazy subtext, this crazy subtext to this conversation that you guys have been running in the same circle doing this in lockstep for however many years and first time face to face. That's what we do on the Mocha live podcast. We bring people together.
1: <laughs> thanks for bringing us together, Max. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Bringing you guys together, bringing audiences together, bringing all of crypto art here. That's that big hug you talked about. Exactly. We, uh, we will be back next week at 5 PM EST. Please join us then. Um, otherwise thanks so much for being with us. Have a lovely rest of your day. And, uh, I don't know. Give your local crypto artist a hug.
2: I see you and uh, spread oh, yeah. the Druid bids. Druid bids. Yeah,
0: Druid. Someone do the Druid method. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Have a nice day. Big thanks to the Druid for coming on to have this lovely conversation with us. Big thanks to Colburn Bell, as always. And thanks to all of you for being with us. Additional thanks to Julian Brangold for his title music and Dave Fox for the intro tune. Lots to be thankful for, as always.